What do you say to a coworker whose child has just died, whose partner has just died, whose mother or sibling has just died? And do you take the time, do you feel comfortable to attend that funeral? That's what we're going to be talking about today. Stay tuned. Welcome to 100 Acts of Love, How to Help When Cancer Strikes. Great tips and unique ideas on what you can do to support your friend with cancer. Hi, everybody. My name is Kim Hamer, and I am your host. Welcome to 100 Acts of Love, How to Help When Cancer Strikes. Now, I know I just talked about how to help when cancer strikes, and yet the trailer is all about death and funerals. And that's because, unless you've been living under a rock, we've had two mass shootings in the last two weeks in the United States. And this week, we're going to see a lot more funerals. And the question is, for many of their coworkers, do I attend the funeral of someone's child, of someone's partner, of someone's mother who died in one of these mass shootings. And unfortunately, death is in the workplace all the time. So today we're going to talk a little bit about how do you navigate that difficulty. And more importantly, we're going to talk about what do you say. So before we get in there, I want to remind you all to make sure that you subscribe. I post new podcasts every Wednesday and you don't want to miss out on one. And even before you subscribe, make sure you head over to 100actsoflove.com and download five phrases never to say to anybody with cancer and what to say instead. And unfortunately, all of those phrases are also just as good to use when someone has died. So... Do you attend the funeral? You have a coworker. You really like working with them. You're totally distraught that their spouse has just died, that their partner has just died, and you want to show your support. But going to the funeral feels awkward to you. You don't know them that well. You have a great work relationship with them, but you don't necessarily hang out with them after work. And that's the space that a lot of people are going to find themselves in this week. Because all those people that died, they are the daughters, the mothers, the parents, the the partners of other people who have other jobs. And so the question is, do you attend the funeral? And the answer is, that depends. There is no one answer. However, there is a way that you can do some work to figure out whether or not you should attend. Let's just talk about funerals in general. Like, they're not comfortable. They're not great. There's the rare funeral or service that is funny, and you get insight, and you cry, and you laugh at the same time. But most of the time, funerals are very somber events. And it's an opportunity to share the stories of the person who has died. And it's an opportunity to support the family of the person who has died. Funerals make most of us uncomfortable. We show up in black. We're not sure where to put our hands. We hang out with people that we may or may not know. You never, like there's these funeral groups, right? There's groups of people who clearly are close to the family. There's groups of people who work with them. There's the old timers, you know, the friends from way beyond who show up. So there's an awkward situation all around. And frankly, who wants to go to one? Who wants to really be part of that awkwardness? Not a lot of people. But we often let that awkwardness 
stop us from showing up for someone who really needs us to show up. I'm going to be really honest right now, and you're probably not going to like it, but their funeral and their loss is not about you. It's not about whether or not you can handle it. It's not about your feelings. It's not about it triggering you and bringing up your past loss. You're showing up for them and being there for them at work and showing up for them at the funeral or the service is about them. And it's about your love and support for them. What I've found is there are two groups, two camps of people. There are the camp of people who say, there's no way in hell I'm going, not doing it. And then there's the camp of people who say, definitely going. And that camp has actually three different sets of people in it. So let's talk about the people who are saying, no way, not going. This group tends to be thinking a little bit more inwardly. They're thinking about their own fear around death. They're thinking about how they might actually break down and feel like it might be inappropriate for them to cry at this service or this funeral. This group is usually a little bit more fearful and less risk-taking. And I'm completely generalizing here. There are tons of reasons that people don't attend funerals. But what I have found in my work is most people who don't attend funerals don't attend because of fear. They are worried about a host of different things. Camp number two doesn't seem to have that issue. Or if they do, it's secondary to the drive to attend. Now in camp number two, there are three kinds of people. And they're usually kind of a combination of what I'm going to talk about. So there's the curiosity seekers. You know your coworker, you like your coworker, and you go to the service because you want to learn more about your coworker. And that's okay. As long as you're not doing it as sort of a way to be like, oh, to go back into the office and be like, oh, well, you know, I heard at the service, blah, 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 blah. If you're going as a gossip seeker, do me a favor and just don't go. So there's the curiosity seekers. Then there are those who are raised and told very clearly, it doesn't matter who died, you show up at the service. You wear black, you show up at the service. So those people have this sense of duty that is, it is what you do. And they get super annoyed with the people in camp number one who don't go because they can't get past their fear. Those people who feel like it's a sense of duty also have fear and also feel awkward and most of the time uncomfortable, but they show up anyway. And then there's the third group in camp number two, and that third group is there as support. They know that just being there will lend their coworker the support and love that they need. They're not expecting to change the world by showing up. They're not expecting to be rewarded. They just know if they were in their coworker's shoes, they would really appreciate someone else showing up for them. So those are the camps, camp one and camp two. So whether or not you show up is really about how honest you can get about your feelings about grief. And y'all, grief, like I said, grief is hard. I am coming up on the 12-year anniversary of my husband's death. And I am so surprised. Every year, it's like a surprise. I never know how I'm going to feel. Some years go by, and it's like no big deal. It's a tiny little blip on the screen. Other years go by, and it feels like I'm preparing to be hit by a truck. And that is exactly what happens. 
This year is somewhere in between. There were some other milestones that occurred, which I'm going to write about and you'll hear about in the next podcast, that occurred that really make me miss him and long for him and I feel sorrow in my heart. But that doesn't happen every year. But there is one thing I do know, is when we had my husband's service and everyone was seated and I went to walk into that room with over 300 people there, it took my breath away. Do I remember everyone was there? No, I do not. But I am so grateful for every single one of them who showed up because it allowed me to remember how important my husband was to them and how much my kids and I were loved that they showed up. So if you don't show up because you're afraid of being awkward, you need to know that your showing up does make a difference. It's about the energy that's in the room during that funeral. It's about the sorrow that is expressed there. It is about loving that person in their moment of absolute and total grief. So while I can't judge you, and and I don't think anyone should judge anyone for whether or not they show up at a funeral, I cannot urge you enough of how important it is just to show up. Now, some of these services, I'm assuming, will probably be held online, which is actually a blessing because you can show up And you can turn your camera off if you're afraid of being seen crying. The thing about services and grief in general is that grief brings up our past griefs, right? It brings up the past losses that we've experienced. And so oftentimes, while we are so sad for the person who has dealing with this major loss into life right now, it's usually the sadness is coming from our own souls, from grief that has not yet been expressed, And we often feel embarrassed by it, like somehow that's wrong, it's over, so I should be over that. But that's the thing about grief, is you're never really over it. Because what I have found in my life is grief connects me to my humanity. Grief reminds me, my own grief reminds me that there are other people out there hurting. And that why my grief right now is so is so like manageable because obviously because it's been so long, I can hold a space for someone who's grieving in in newly grieving. Grief reminds me that other people hurt. And while that feels sort of overwhelming, it's also a blessing because it connects me, like I said, to my humanity. It reminds me that we are all human. It reminds me that that really it doesn't matter the color of your skin or what you've been through or what party you belong to. If your husband dies, I get you. I get that experience. And while you may walk through it differently, I get that experience. So Don't be afraid to tap into your past grief because it's actually a gift. It's not going to overwhelm you. You're not going to die from the sadness. It's just a moment to remember that sad part of your heart and to connect with that other person's sad part of the heart. I often tell my kids, they all know students who are their age who have suffered a loss. And I often tell my kids it's because they have dented hearts And their dented hearts find other dented hearts that are just like theirs, that are dented in the same way. So that's why it's okay to experience grief again. 
Okay, so let's move on and let's talk about what to say and what not to say. Now, if you are a coworker of somebody who has lost a spouse, a child, a parent, a partner, I, I want to make sure I'm including partners, there's going to be a moment when you have to be in the same room with them or in the same Zoom call with them. And you have to say something to them before that moment comes. And here's why. If you chicken out, because that's really what it is, when you decide not to say anything to a coworker, you have all the excuses, you didn't know what to say, you're afraid you're going to make them upset, you're afraid you're going to make things worse, those are the most common excuses, they are exactly that, they're excuses, and you chicken out. And if you chicken out, you are going to change that work relationship forever. Let me repeat that. If you chicken out, you are going to change that work relationship forever. Now there's one caveat and that caveat is if you chicken out and don't say anything and then have find the courage to say something three months, four months, six months later, you do sort of get a pass. Of course, the question is, what do you say? So in my book, I wrote a book called 100 Acts of Love, A Girlfriend's Guide to Loving Your Friend Through Cancer or Loss. And act number 25 is one of my favorite ones. It was, um, I'm just going to read it. This was said by a rabbi at the service of a 13-year-old girl who was hit by her car on her, on her way to school. Whenever I say this phrase, I get a little catch in my throat. The phrase doesn't try to fix anything. It simply honors the deep pain your girlfriend is in. Oftentimes when we go to say something to someone who is dealing with grief, who has lost someone important to them, we think that we have to somehow fix it. So that's the first thing. We think we need to fix it, right? So we go in and we say, well, someone said this to me, Kim, don't worry about your husband dying. You're young and you can still remarry. Yes, that was a little bit offensive, but I get where they were coming from. They were trying to fix it. They were trying to make my grief a little bit better and easier on me. That's not what it sounded like, but that's what they were trying to do. So that's the first thing. We try to fix it. The second thing, the second common reaction we have is I don't know what to say and I don't want to make it worse. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Their person has died. You really, and I hate, I'm sorry to laugh, but you can't make it worse. You just can't make it worse. I often think people say this because they don't want to deal with the emotions. There are plenty of times that people said sweet and loving things to me that made me cry. And sometimes someone would say, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to make you cry. And they didn't make me cry. It was what they said that reminded me that my husband was important to them. That's what made me cry. It was a, it was a good cry. It wasn't a sad cry. So people want to fix it. And they're always afraid that they're going to say something that's going to make things worse. And the last thing is y'all are just chicken. And I know we are not trained in this society to know what to say. And that chicken place comes from the, the not wanting to feel uncomfortable. And I so get that because, you know, I'm going to let you in on a little secret, although it's not really a secret because I share it all the time. But I was just like you all before my husband had cancer and after he died. I was the one who like would see someone who I hadn't spoken to in a year because I was so afraid to talk to them about their divorce or about or about their their death of their mother or their child that I would like run the other direction. I was that person. 
And I can tell you from being on the other side, there's so much damage done when you do that. And there's such a loss of disrespect for that person because my husband died. I am in the middle of the most massive grief of my life and you don't have the courage. You can't find the courage to come up and at least say, I'm sorry. So for those of you who are terrified of saying something, you got to get over yourselves because it's a loss of respect. You're going to lose the respect of the person who really needs to hear something from you and you're going to lose your own self-respect because you know you should say something. Woo! Bringing it down. All right, so here's what you can say. You are not alone. Your pain breaks my heart. I love you. And if I love you is too strong, you can say I care about you. You can write it in an email. You can send it. You can write it in a card and send it to them. You can say it to them the next time they come into the office. But say something You are a human and they are a human. And oftentimes we connect most when we are at our most dire spaces. Think about Boston Strong, Atlanta Strong, now Boulder Strong. Think about Columbine. Think about all those mass shootings. That is when our humanity comes to the surface. Think about the beginning of COVID. Do you remember how we'd the fire we'd have the evening clap for the health workers? Our humanity comes to light, comes to the surface when we struggle as a company, as a, as, a, as a country together. And when you have those moments of individual opportunity, and when you have those moments to individually connect with your other human coworker, that's a beautiful moment. That's the moment that makes life real. And sometimes it is painful. So that's what I have to say. I think that you should go to the funeral because if your coworker sees you there, it touches their heart. I think that you should say something to them when they return to work because when you do, it not only touches their heart, it touches your heart. What you say and how you show up is not about making these grand statements or saying the perfect thing. It is about touching in in that moment of your humanness. And let's just talk a moment. Let's say it's a coworker you don't like. Let's just talk about that for a moment. So there was a woman who um, lived here in L.A., and she was sort of in a competing business that I was in. And we didn't like each other very much. But when my husband died, she sent me a card. And it really touched me. So don't let the hate that you feel, the dislike that you feel for that coworker, maybe you don't respect that coworker at all. Maybe that coworker has embarrassed you, has dissed you, has undermined you. You have to dig into your humanity. You are you don't have to do anything, let's be honest. You don't have to do anything. But I urge you to dig into your humanity and to reach out to that coworker and just say, "I'm so sorry this happened to you. You are not alone and your pain. Oh my god, I'm going to cry. Your pain breaks my heart." It's such a beautiful thing to say. So I'm wrapping this up, feeling very passionate, if you can't tell, on this topic. There's going to be a lot of funerals this week and the week after because we had some mass shootings because there are 16 or 17 less people in this world that really should have been here today. I want to thank you all so much for listening. 
I really urge you to take action because the bottom line, the real thing I want you to know above anything else is that you matter. How you show up to this person who needs support right now really matters because you matter. We need you to remain on this earth loving another person in the best way you can because you matter. You don't have to show up in any fancy outfit with the right words. Show up exactly as you are because you matter. All right, thanks for listening and I hope to see you next week. Bye-bye.